You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedians Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and today I'm talking to the brilliant Lou Sanders, who is a very joyful performer, a very very unself-conscious and uh, I think in the interview I described her as vivid, which is not a specific way to describe someone, but she is really, really talented, very, very funny. And uh, we're going to be hearing from her now. So let's let's do that. This is Lou Sanders. The conversation we were having before we started was about you being scared that I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> that I'm gonna dig into you because the last few shows you've heard have been They've been hard. You've gone hard. You've gone in hard, which for a listener is great. For a participant, not not, mm. not nice. That's totally fine. It's Ooh, yeah. So I just seen a um, a baby anyway. So I don't really mind. You know, like you, oh, yes. you look at you think about comedy and stuff, and you ooh, you know. And then I just been around to see my friend's baby, and I think, oh, it doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I I'm, I don't know if I've said this on the show before, but I'm perpetually scared that I mean I desperately want a baby yeah. as, uh, as everyone knows as I say yeah. to and I am a bit scared that as soon as I have, have one, you I'm... brought me around to have a baby <laughs> <laughs> no, that was not my plan <laughs> um, but I'm just really scared that I'll stop caring so much for exactly that because it, it, about comedy for know, exactly what do you that know reason. what I was about to quote someone that I was about to quote someone to you but it's actually something that I heard on your own podcast <laughs> <laughs> I love it <laughs> it's getting increasingly meta like, there was a guy called Harley on the podcast <laughs> as it turns out it's your podcast <coughs> yeah mm. what did Harley say he said I, I mean I'm not aware of his work but he seemed like a live, lovely guy but Australian or something mm-hmm. and he was saying I think it was him I might get my names and things mixed up but he said when he had a baby it just stopped him caring so much about what other people were doing yes. so you still want to provide you still want to be ambitious but you don't look around like oh they've got this or they've got that sure yeah, I hope so, because I still do that quite a lot. <laughs> It'd be yeah. quite nice to cure that. Do you do that? Um, do, you, do you know what? Yeah, yeah. now and again, I do, and I used to be terrible. Like, I used to... Are you looking at the tea? The tea's fine. I used to be um, really bad, like, eat myself up with that kind of stuff. But I think it's when you're not being creative or you're not doing what... I think there's more than one thing. But part of it is if you're not generating what you want to generate, and so you feel a bit lost. So you're looking around at other people and they've got this, they've got that. And I still, so I think the way round it is just to create loads of stuff and keep going because that gives you hope. You know, you love your new project and you're like, well, this is great. <clears throat> and then I think the other thing is just to work on yourself, which like, so 
I feel like I've done loads of stuff on that. So every now and again, I think people that say that they never get um, a bit discombobulated or, or heartbroken or, you know, like when you get your script rejected or someone gets something that you wanted, of course, like we're human, of course we're going to be like, but why? Why not me? Or worse, why them? Yeah. <laughs> Which is worse, but it happens less and less frequently now. So that's a good thing. Okay. And also I can get rid of it quicker. So like if you have a bad gig, <clears throat> if I have a bad gig, I can get rid of the feeling of shame a lot, a lot quicker. So it's usually only knocks about, you know, for that night. And then the next day I think, what did I do last night? Oh yeah, that. And then I have a slight feeling of, oh yeah, that didn't go so well, that gig. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's get, it gets so much easier if you... Yeah, it just gets easier and easier if you if you make be it's a focus, it's an intention that you have co- you have to focus on the right thing. So if I'm in, oh well, I didn't get asked to do that gig, or I didn't, you know, and then you have a word to yourself and like, look at all the good gigs you are doing, look at all the great things you're doing, you know, and you're having a nice time. You are being at the moment just saying mm. all of that stuff, which I was listening to in and of itself, but yeah. I had this little external thought, which is that you are being a very different loo now to the you know when you first came in I was mm. like you're you're like all over oh, the place yeah. you're a very all over the place person yeah I guess but I'm not, and, I'm not and you're a very all over the place performer yeah. like it's all assemblage and kind of collage and lots of different stuff happening mm. at, you know props um, and loads of yeah. ideas I don't mean all over the place in yeah. a negative way I mean it's it's kind of all the words I can think of sound negative but like scattershot or ramshackle or deli- do you know what I mean it's sort yeah, of like I'm really trying to it's like an that. outpouring yeah, but I'm really trying to work on it. This year, I've got my, fir- my first time ever. I've got a theme for my show, and I'm working to a theme, and I've got structure. And I'm like, who is this? Who is this business lady? <laughs> like, I feel co- like I'm less and becoming less chaotic. Okay. Out of need. Okay, really. okay. We'll, we'll get back to that in a second, but I just wanted yeah. to pursue this idea, which is that I, I suppose... Whenever I've met you socially, you yeah. have been very like... I mean, it's tended to be at mm. gigs and one particularly memorable party. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Where you had to be, uh, whatever the word is, sedated. <laughs> Side and strapped down uh, into the yeah. um, Oh, what an eye. But, uh, but I've tended to see you in performative situations. Excuse me, I, I was the best thing and the worst thing about that party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is an incredibly new sentiment. <laughs> um, so, I suppose, I, I've just my first kind of observation is... is I had always seen you in the kind of all-over-the-place way that I yeah. see you on stage. I'd seen you that way socially as well. Yeah. And it's really interesting because just you saying that about, you know, letting go of the, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, jealousy and those sort of feelings, I was like, I've got a oh, side, wow, baby. she's got a side. I've this got a is, side, baby. This is like calm, reflective, Lou. Yeah, Which, I mean, I meditate and I'm into all that shit. Like, I, you know, like you may see me really drunk at a party. The next day I will be juicing greens and going for a run. Like, I am... Yeah. Like, Are you? Do you yeah. meditate? Tell me about meditation. Oh man, it's it's the key. To, I think it's the key to everything. A kinda. What I've always the thing is, I get really um like uh, passionate about one thing, and then I'm like, how do people manage if they haven't got this one thing? <laughs> but actually, everyone's got their own things, right? So yeah, I'm, but I'm really into all that. Into it's embarrassing to talk about because, but I am into. Why? Why is it embarrassing to talk about? It's just. Imba- Well, okay, so in LA, so I'm so into it that in LA I paid $350 to go and see a shaman. <laughs> and she was not very good. Okay. She was like rubbish. And then at the end I was like, well, I just, 
I mean, this is a lot of money for nothing. You know, I said that to her, but I said it to her assistant. It was all like ceremony and pomp. So I believe in it. I believe in energy. But I also, um, I'm not mental. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean. Okay. Um, So when you say it's embarrassing, you're embarrassed to have spent, you're embarrassed because there's people out there doing it badly, giving it a bad press. Well, yeah. And just the whole thing. It's a bit wishy-washy, isn't it? But that's why I love LA so much. Because you, you cannot be judged in LA. There's a woman walking around with a birdcage on her head of a dove in it. <laughs> well, actually, I didn't agree with that because the poor dove. But um, And then there was a man dressed as like an eight-foot tree. And I was like, why are you doing this? And he said, I'm making a documentary. <laughs> oh <my laughs> it's, God. it's like insane. And then you can get like uh, crystals at breakfast. Do you know what I mean? Like it's all about that. So it's tell me like, about LA. I didn't actually, know that you'd been to LA. So yeah, I went there for a month. It was so good. I think I found my people. <laughs> <laughs> and I went into like, the, okay, so um, there was a wicked girl called Roz who I was knocking about with and she took me to this yoga class and it was really great. And then uh, <laughs> after the yoga class, I went, to the yoga teacher, I said, do you know any shamans? <laughs> she was like, yeah, like my boyfriend's just like uh, got a shaman from Peru who's coming to the country today. So I was like, aha, a sign. <laughs> and then they gave me their cards and they were like part of this spiritual church. <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh, it's a sign. Like this is like, this is definitely meant to be. I meant to meet this shaman and we're planning New Year's Eve at Joshua Tree and everything and then I went to their spiritual church and oh my god it was awful <laughs> like it was so awful me and my friend went <laughs> like laughing so I mean it, whatever helps you get through the day de- like you know no judgement just not for us it was a bit too much and they said let's welcome in the new people <laughs> and they were going everyone was like hello <laughs> hello <laughs> you can't see because I'm like, like, I was putting my hands out and they were like like that and the song went on for about half an hour to welcome you in yeah and it was and anyway we had to leave but um and I didn't see the shaman again I didn't see the shaman but what I mean is you can place too much emphasis on that kind of thing of like it's a sign and at the end of the day you've got to trust yourself and like sort of be in a living world kind of thing and so you just when you were talking to this yoga teacher going do you know a shaman the way you've just related that story now is like that you were kind of being bubbly, wide-eyed, sort of, this is ridiculous. Were you being quite serious then when you were talking to her? I was absolutely serious, yeah. And I got a shaman, so it wasn't that kind of crazy, I guess. But then, you know, was it my shaman? <laughs> and have you been do you when you say you meditate well I, I've never meditated oh, yeah. I don't know much about it is that something like mm. a commitment you make every day to so spend time reflecting on stuff well it's just good in this chaotic world Stu <laughs> just to have a sit down and just be with yourself you know all across uh, different civilizations, they've always put a lot of emphasis on um, being alone when whatever t- whatever that is so that you can you know like if you have a holiday you percolate things more and you get a bit of distance from whatever's going on so you come back and you break up with your boyfriend <laughs> or whatever it is because you're like oh and then I think it's the same like if you can find that space every day then it does make life easier because you get you get a bit of separation and distance between things so you can because we have got all the answers that is true but no one trusts themselves and we always want to put it in the hands of doctors or you know someone else or an agent or do you know what I mean so then if you meditate I don't do it every day religiously but I do try and I do feel better when I do it I did TM but that I don't think that's like one for me but that's transcendental meditation yeah but it's good in the way that you it's bloody expensive so because you spent a lot of money on it that the, the first like six months you're like well i would do it two times 20 minutes a day because yeah. <laughs> i've spent loads of money on it okay. and it gets you into the habit so and and what do you 
Like, have you been doing it for as long as you've been a comic? When did no, you start God, doing no, it? No, 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 like two years ago or something. And what are the differences that you... I mean, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm much more zen. I'm not, am I? Like, I speak really fast, I do everything fast. It's like, God, yes, I but need I to don't, meditate more. Yeah, but I don't think that, that, I don't think sort of slowness and quietness is necessarily zen as a, mm. as, as a person. But I'm just interested in, the, in terms of like the... The effect on your work or on your oh, your gigs is that has there been an God, effect like a yeah like well um okay so uh well in Edinburgh this year it was really cute because I I'm aware that it sounds ridiculous like I did a Reiki course and even I was at the Reiki course like sort of thinking come off it love do you know what I mean like, <laughs> all I know about of, Reiki is it, it's kind of massage without touching someone yeah right? and it's an energy healing but I have had amazing Reiki definitely but this course I just felt like everyone there was like oh, this is going to sound so sexist, but, you know, like, sort of a little bit had the tone of bored housewives or sort of people that were looking for stuff. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't need this. And then I was looking around judging them, which is awful. Like, <clears throat> you know, ju- you shouldn't be there to judge. And it was... And I, but I was aware I was doing it, and I was like, oh, God, like, they're just lovely people. What's a, what's your problem? It's me with a problem. Anyway, so the Reiki thing, I kind of think... I do buy into it, but at the same time, I'm really cynical. So, And then loads of things happened in the course, and I was like, whoa, like, there definitely is something in it. So when I was in Edinburgh, um, I worked with um, Phoebe and Katie, and they are—they yes. do Burke's Nest, and so <clears> they produce so They're absolutely brilliant. And, like, if it was an important day, like someone was in, <laughs> even though they don't buy into that shit at all, they'd say to me... Um, Lou, um, have you vacated the stage? <laughs> like, one day Patrick Patrick would come in and do this end bit with me and then like I would know if someone important was in because important who are we to say <laughs> but um like then he would just go, Oh Lou, have you vacated the stage? It was so cute because I knew that they didn't buy into it at all, but they like that's the thing that like Deepak Chopra says whatever you believe in and place importance on then does become true yes. so I guess there's an understanding from them of like well w- just because it's not my thing yes. you know if you're buying that's your really lovely yeah it's so nice How, what a supportive group I know to work I love with. them so much <laughs> it made Edinburgh every day like happy I know Phoebe personally a little yeah. bit, but I also know her in the context of you from seeing your show recently at Soho oh, yeah. and there being a moment which I didn't know was well, like a regular yeah. moment or just the way you work, yeah. where you forgot where you were and said, Phoebe, what do I do next? Oh, no, that was actually genuine. <laughs> yeah. like, I, was like, <laughs> I was sort of suspecting as well. What night did you come on then, on the Friday um, or the... Well, was it when they were her cameras in or not? Uh, you didn't have cameras mm. in, no. Because mm. I forgot where I was then and that is... That is an awkward edit. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's just, um, uh, for people that listening to this that don't know you, let's just mm. uh, tell me whereabouts you are as a comedian at the moment. What, in, in terms of all the, you know, it's almost like the, you know, which, which medals have you got? How many Edinburgh's have you done? Oh, that kind of God. stuff. How, long have How you many SCAR medals have you done? So I've done three hour shows, well, 50 minutes. I don't think anyone should do an hour. I think it's arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> totally <laughs> Um that's I'm doing my fourth this year. Okay, and you've been doing stand up since. Oh God, it's depressing, isn't it? That I is it? think, yeah, it's really depressing. That when someone asks you, it's like, what have you been doing? <laughs> um, I think it's nine years. Okay. Because I well, I did the reserve in two thousand and eight, and I've been going like two years then. Okay. But I guess it depends what month and who knows. But and, about that. And how did you bring yourself know. to comedy? Who were you before you started doing comedy? Was nobody? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I. It's the only thing that I'm passionate about, really. So there's not. 
uh, yeah, like comedy I've just always loved. Although I haven't got, you know, like people can quote things and have an encyclopedic knowledge. Mm. I don't know who anyone is. Yes, I'm very bad at that. And I'm yeah. always, yeah, I feel like I'm not a proper nerd. I think people get real kind of nerd points by going, oh, actually, it was. But then you're always influenced by things and you're always, you know, like if you forget everything 10 minutes after you've watched it, this is great because you've got like a blank <laughs> sort of, you know. Okay, so you were so you were interested in comedy, and what kind of did you did you used to what what was your job? I've got a feeling oh, like you used to work in business or something. Business? Right? No, I'm always joking about being a business lady, but I am the opposite. Ah, of business that's maybe lady. where yeah, I got yeah, yeah. it from. God, you can say anything and people believe it. <laughs> I <laughs> just start, I just like feeding things in. Like when I was an award winner. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I used to work in TV in development, so um, coming up with ideas and stuff. Okay, for what kind of ideas? What, what sort of uh, well, did I you loved work on? it when I was coming up with entertainment ideas, mm-hmm. and I worked for lovely companies, and they worked for this one which was really horrible. Then my friend was at the BBC who I'd worked with at, in Indy, and she's like, "Well, come and work at the BBC." And I was like, well, what department is it? And she said, fact, ent. And I was like, no way, I hate those shows. Like, not that I hate them, but it's is, not how my brain like, works. Is that like Obdoc? Is that like, no, it's uh, like The Apprentice. Very okay. formulaic, formatted shows gotcha. that are, you know, and, and just not my bag. Like, one, I've not grown up watching them. Two, I want to stick a comedian in everything. Well, she always jokes now that, like, I was... <laughs> She was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you stick a comedian or a cat in everybody. <laughs> well, I, I did, I'm sure I didn't stick a cat in, but I might have stuck a comic in it. And then um, <laughs> one day in this treatment, I wrote, <laughs> and we'll film everything. <laughs> she, was like, she was like, well, yeah. Like, <laughs> so she's always making fun of me. <laughs> I don't think the BBC were my best years. <laughs> but I think because... Yeah, it's just not the shows I wanted to watch and stuff. And then I was, I'd started, I just started doing stand up then. And um, I find it really hard, like, to, because to be good at development, you're thinking of shows all the time. So you're reading a paper, you're thinking, what's that, you know, what can that be, what can that be? Whereas I wanted to think about jokes all the time, you know? So this is Lou. She is just so much. She's a, what's the expression? She's a right royal barrel of monkeys uh, to talk to and uh, has got loads of brilliant stuff to say. As I'm sure you can hear, this was really, really enjoyable. And um, I'm recording this blurb immediately after the interview. Normally there's a bit of time in between. Uh, So it's very fresh in my mind. And uh, also, as we mentioned, uh, she brought me a gift. So uh, I went easy on her. That's how to do it. <laughs> you, you win Goldsmith over with presents of chocolates, dark for preference. And, uh, and then he uh, doesn't try to convince you that you're secretly lonely. Um, loads more brilliant stuff coming up from Lou shortly. Um, just a couple of things. Lou is doing a show uh, at the uh, Dave's Leicester Comedy Festival. She's doing a show on Saturday, I think. Uh, you can find information about that by going on their website. Uh, I, I mean, you know how to use Google. If you search for DLCF and Lou Sanders... I'm sure you will find them. Um, Dave's Leicester Comedy Festival, that's right, isn't it? DLCF. Yes, um, also at, uh, at DLCF this year, uh, I am going to be doing this Sunday uh, an interview with Brendan Burns for this podcast. Now listen, this is the situation. This is, on, this is an ongoing administrative situation. I booked Brendan Burns to do a podcast at two o'clock in the afternoon this Sunday. I have since had lots of you tell me online and through various means that uh, my show, my podcast is not happening at two o'clock this Sunday, that um, that this is presumably a mistake from when I was away. Uh, and oh, did I mention I was away? And the Gmail calendar, does it do this to you? If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, it shifts everything 
a certain number of hours out of date. Anyway, whatever, problem, it was probably just my own administrative cock up as well. But basically, it's not two o'clock, it's five o'clock, which means that I am currently waiting with uh, bated breath and bitten fingernails to find, uh, to, to hear back from Brendan and make sure that he can still do five o'clock and that it doesn't, for example, clash with whatever he's doing. I could look on the website and see what he's doing, but I don't dare uh, in case it's really obvious. Um, but um, uh, maybe you could do that now. Presumably, by the time you hear this, we'll know. And you can check the Twitter feed at Comcom. Pod uh, to find out exactly what's going on there. It's definitely at five. It isn't. We can't do one at two. Um, Brendan may or may not be available. If he isn't available, I promise I will find you someone equally awesome. And uh, many apologies if you've already got tickets for Brendan at five and it turned at, at two or at five at five, and then it turns out that we can't do it because I've booked him wrongly. It's entirely my fault and no one else's but mine. Um, later that evening. God knows. Check check DLCF. Check the website. Don't let me tell you anything about uh, uh, dates and times. But I believe this Sunday, uh, later that evening, the, the number I have in my head is 7.30. Perhaps that's completely wrong. Do the research yourself. Uh, I will be doing a, a preview of my own show. And uh, as I speak to Lou, uh, as you will hear, um, that show is by no means finished. This is, for me, uh, it's even less finished than usual, which I think my problem... I think my problem is that I tend to go on stage with a head full of notes trying to remember stuff that I wrote down that was funny at the time I wrote it. What I'm going to be doing by force, what I'm going to be doing through necessity this time is having a small number of index cards with a small number of words on them. And hopefully by not flying with my head in the cockpit, as it were, I will actually be very funny in the moment and uh, I'll be a lot more improvising off the cuff because that's that's when I'm at my best. So uh, hopefully... Purely through necessity, I'll be forced out of my uh, regular bad habits of being sort of overwritten. So I'm, what I'm saying is, come and see it. Uh, I'm very hopeful for it. I think it will be very memorable and fun. And who knows, if it doesn't work at all, then you'll get to see an incredible one-off performance uh, from some notes that are promptly burnt straight after the show. Um, I, I mean, there's one very good story. There's another bit that I'm sure is going to work. And there's a good bit about Jack Reacher, which has to work because it's got the potential to become a 15 minute bit about the man of my dreams. So uh, come along and see that. Do Google uh, DLCF and then the name of your chosen person, be it Lou Sanders, Stu Goldsmith or whoever else is uh, is at that brilliant festival. I think nearly all acts that go to Edinburgh pop into that tiny, relatively tiny city and uh, and bang out a show. So come and see those. That's this weekend. Um, there's probably other stuff coming up I should tell you about, but maybe that'll have to wait till next time. Uh, because we should get back to Lou. Um, thank you for your donations. They are still coming in and are very much appreciated. And uh, I realise it's the sort of post-Christmas period. No one's got any money. That's fine. But if you do see fit to lend me your cash donations, then you can go to comedianscomedian.com and uh, click on the extremely visible and easy to find PayPal button. Uh, and you still can't, I'm afraid, do regular donations. I promise, this is my, my promise to you, this year I will try to work out how that is done. Because as we know, the PayPal version at the moment has a box you can tick that says regular donation that then does not work. And you and I share 10 emails back and forth uh, through PayPal learning that that doesn't work. But you can make one-off donations and why not turn up and do that regularly? You know, that's, we've, we've all got time to do that. Uh, so 20 quid uh, or a pound a show or whatever you think the show is worth. That's all we ask. Um, and by we, I mean me. So send me your donations, please. And uh, I promise to use them to make the show better and go further with it and go to more exciting, interesting places and record better quality interviews with better quality equipment. That's all on that. Um, yes, follow the, the Twitter at ComComPod for news on forthcoming guests. Assuming we get Brendan this weekend, that episode will go out the following week. And then I've got two, two very 
exciting ones in the pipeline. I've just had an agreement from Nick Mohammed that he's going to come and do the show. So if you haven't seen uh, Dracula the Musical, it was called Mr. Swallow the Musical in Edinburgh, in, in Soho Theatre at the moment in London, it's called Dracula the Musical, for obvious reasons. Um, please go along and see that. I think he was criminally ignored for an award this year, and it is right up there with best things I've seen ever. I mean, it's definitely in my... And bearing in mind I've been there for 20 years, I would say it's definitely in my top 20 ever Edinburgh shows. So please go and see that and we'll get Nick on the podcast very soon. So we've got plenty more people in the pipeline as well. There's some other people I've been chatting to uh, and some very exciting news coming up soon about a big project for ComCom. So continue listening. Keep, you know, keep, keep things peeled. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. That's going very nicely. Loads of people on there. I, I must remember to give you some actual content uh, to reward you for joining it um, so that you don't just get bombarded by people advertising their own stuff. Um, I think we're quite good at weeding those out these days. So that's all for now. Let's get back to the brilliant Lusa. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Whenever I hear that a comic used to work in telly, there's a couple of people, I can't remember off the top of my head now, but I always sort of feel like, oh, that's... That's how you want to do it, isn't it? Know how telly works and then yeah. become a comic rather than I think the majority of comics bring themselves to comedy and then go, oh God, I want to try and do something on telly, but I'm completely outside of that world. Yeah, I think there's pros and cons to everything though. So I don't think it, I don't know that it benefited me that much. It benefited me in the way that I know how, how, because in comedy, you often take things, one takes things personally a bit like, well, why wasn't I in that treatment? Or, you know, like, I would have been perfect for that show. Mm-hmm. And then, but knowing the other side of it is like they just go for they just want to get the show commissioned and it's just a researcher pulling faces off the internet of ones they've heard of and they may not even be that into comedy so yeah. it's not really so it kind of yeah it's it's useful in a way of like let's not it's just telly okay yeah so you're how long did you work in telly for and were you still do i mean there must have been a a point at which you were gigging and then gradually you had no, to make a decision no no i like i left tv um uh was yeah I left tv and then I just got like a like temping jobs and stuff so that I could which is a massive shift in identity because when you're in tv at a young age you're like yeah that's my identity like I work in tv yeah yes. pretty cool you know because you're yeah, young as, and as I do, with yeah. comedy yeah, I imagine yeah. you go that's just who I am now. and then I'm you're like oh no I'm a t- I'm a temp that's me and then so there's a big there's a real shift in identity and then you know but then you're throwing yourself into comedy and so it was it was a definite decision to quit comedy in order sorry to quit Quit, telly yeah in order to make comedy work you knew you'd need the free time yeah weirdly like I did get offered a few jobs after that and one with this guy who I think's brilliant I won't mention him no I won't but he's amazing like he's gone on to do amazing things and he like got me a couple of jobs and I turned them both down 
And I think, and that, because I was like, no, I've got to do comedy, I've got to do comedy. But there was a real, it was a real struggle actually to say, well, should I do this job? And like, I think my confidence was slightly shot as well at the time. So I think like I was thinking, well, if I do this job, like he's a massive deal and I've got to do a brilliant job. And I think it was part of me that thought, I don't think I either don't, well, 50-50, I don't know if I want to do it enough and I don't know if I can do it enough, to, mm. to the best of my ability. I don't think it's what I'm supposed to be doing. And so you've either got to be brilliant and not care or really want to do it and put everything into it. And I didn't have either of those. Okay, yeah. for TV, but you had both, both of those for comedy? No, no, it took me so long to build up my... I was a, I was a mess, like an absolute mess, and it took me... so. And I gave up comedy so many times, okay. and I just didn't have any belief in myself. And I um, changed what I was doing quite a lot. Like, when I did the reserve, I died in my hole so much. And <clears throat> I just... Yeah, I was lost for so long. So the reserve is the is that the, it's in the Edinburgh. pleasant yeah. kind of group show? There was yeah, a, um, like four or five acts or something. Yeah, so I was on with Daniel Rigby, Holly Walsh, like people that were doing way better than me. Holly Walsh, Daniel Rigby, and Gareth Richards. Yes, and Gareth Richards would have the gig of dreams every night, and then um, he still didn't have an agent, and he'd been going like four years or something. And everyone's like, "Why hasn't he got an agent?" You know, it's really weird. And then he got picked up by Avalon, who like adored him later. And I was like, "Thank God," because yeah. like, otherwise, there's no justice. But yeah, I died a lot and I didn't, I wasn't clear on what I was doing and um, yeah, like I gave up comedy for six months at a time and stuff. Talk to me about some of the different versions of of you that were, that, that you were trying and then giving up. Oh my God, do you know like some people said, this won't mean anything to anyone, it, 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 I doubt anyone knows my comedy, but like... I remember one age, this is where you cannot listen to anyone listening, don't listen to any advice. And that's ironic because, (laughs) (laughs) but like, so I'd get an agent coming up to me saying like, you know, you should just be like Joe Brand. You should just be like Joe Brand, deadpan, you know? And then I didn't have the confidence or self uh, knowledge to kind of, you know, so I was like, well, he must know because he's an agent. So, yeah, like, maybe I should be like Joe Brand. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And just do... And, but then you experiment. It's good. You, it's good to kind of lose your way because out of that comes good stuff, you know? Yeah. So I, I was, like, one-linery. I was, like, Stuart Lee. I was, like, all different things. And then, as you know, it just... You get to a point where you're just like, oh, oh I just have to be myself. Like, yeah. shit. But in front of loads of people of strangers, just be yourself. Like, I don't know. It's hard, isn't it? Some people find it right away, but... So did you... How long did you stick with each tack for? If you were in your Stuart Lee phase or your Joe Brand phase, did you do it for, like, are we talking 10 gigs, 2 gigs, 100 gigs? I think when you start, you've got that thing, I don't know if you had it as well, where you, like... So you'll do a gig one night and and you'll be like, well, I was really sardonic that night and it worked. So why isn't it working this week? Absolutely. (laughs) It's only through experience and people are so, as I was, as I probably still am now, like so determined to, I wanted to get in now. I want to get an agent now. I want to do, 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 do. And you don't allow yourself to breathe and to grow and to, and you always think you're the best that you're at because you're better than last week and the week before that, but you're not the best you're going to be. But that's you know, very wise but you know but you, you think but I'm so much better than I was and it's like yeah but you're still a baby you're still finding your thing you know and you think how long it takes someone like Lewis CK and all that and but then you know there's always the story of well Bob got signed a year in yeah, <laughs> and yeah. he's on Comedy Central <laughs> it's really interesting to I I, I totally um uh kind of empathise with what you say about uh, about trying lots of things. I totally yeah. relate to that. I, I, I've done bits of that in the past. 
I've seen fewer acts. I've seen one or two acts. Someone who's now a very sort of famous, well-known act who, when they started, mm. just... I felt like every time I saw them, they were doing something completely different. Wow. And, uh, and at the time, I was like, oh, that means they're not genuine. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because they don't know who they are. And yeah. Then, and then you sort of go, oh, no, they, they were just being unafraid to try loads and loads of that. stuff. I love that. I love that. That's why someone like Daniel Simonson is a... You know, I'm going to use the word true artist. <laughs> because he, like... He, I remember him at gigs and stuff, and he didn't give a shit about dying. And Chortle would give him bad review and everything, and he'd be like, "But I'm exper, you know, I'm doing. I have to do this. Like mm. he had to, to go out there and do and just not know what he was going to say for twenty minutes and all this stuff. And it's so brave because we were all led by our egos, and we we don't want that person to see us die. We don't want like this could be my chance kind of thing. And we don't spend long enough like fucking about. And it's hard, of course, because uh, uh, like what's right for one person isn't. Right, for everybody. some people might have to pay a mortgage and, you know, look after a kid and stuff. So they can't take risks. And, but, yeah. And then I feel like for ages I took, I took risks and then was seen as someone who wasn't reliable. And then, yes. you know... Yes, <laughs> I, some of my... Mo- no, 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 I'm just... <laughs> oh, yeah, that's very much how I had you pegged. No, not at all. I, that, it was the fear of being unreliable that made me take far fewer risks than I might have. Because I remember... Some really, I've got some really key, vivid gigs in my mind of ones where I didn't give a fuck and I just did anything. Yeah. And they probably, to the people watching them, were mostly at 5% and then occasionally went really yeah. good. But in my mind, they were really electrifying yeah, experiences. Yeah, yeah, And you walk away thinking, well, actually, sometimes you have a gig and it doesn't go that well and you think, okay, like the audience probably don't think I'm the funniest thing they've seen this week yeah. <laughs> or even ever. I mean, or even like, well, they don't think you're funny is what I'm trying to say. But then you walk away thinking, but... I did this and I did this and I tried this and I didn't not taking risks in a kind of selfish way because there's that like they if they've paid and stuff you want to give them a good show it's selfish to be like well as an artist I took risks and ruined <laughs> everyone's night <laughs> goodbye <laughs> but this but you know if it's a mixed bill and to do you know they've got a good headline or whatever like if you're not having a great gig, but then you change your material, you think on your feet, you uh, do things that kind of drag it up a bit. That's a great... Oh, you dragged it up, didn't you? (laughs) But, you know, then you walk away not feeling... You're not proud of yourself, but you're not not proud of yourself because you've tried everything you can and actually you've diverted and you've done things you didn't want to do and da-da-da for the night. I don't know. Am I making any sense? I know what I mean. You mean that... When you throw everything at it, yeah, then then that's a kind of nobility in itself. You throw everything at it, and you think on your feet, and you're like, okay, they don't like this, but like this. You're really putting out all your skill set, and you drag it up from a you know a fifteen percent gig to a thirty. Well, at least I should did my best. <laughs> <laughs> I did my best. So let's talk about who you are on stage and. Um, heroes <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I've only seen I think I've only I've seen you do a set before and I've seen the stuff that you've got online and I saw your last hour but I didn't see what was the show about Wallen oh and now for a nice evening with Wallen you have the best titles <laughs> you really do Thank your you. last one was called and now in it's another great show again uh, oh, and that Lou Sanders in another great show again. Yeah, that's just such a good title. Thank you. Yeah, you write really good copy as well. But the blurbs I've noticed. Oh, yeah, really, really. Thank you. No, I think they're. I think they're great. And the show itself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I no, I mean, 
I like I've only I, I didn't see there was it Wallen I only saw it Wallen Wallen I only ever saw it written down so tell me about that because that was your your first or your second show second show the first show was called How to Be Awesome an Introduction gotcha. um, and then second show was called And Now for a Nice Evening with Wallen and that was just a show about me um, going like so all my constructs were pretty flimsy and stupid so it was a show about me going to Vegas so I was I can't I was it. So, oh, Wallen is mean. What is Wallen? It was a made-up word of like, oh, you know, when you bring your tea in the front room, and then you go to drink your tea, and it's like, oh, my tea's cold. Shit, my tea's gone cold. And then you realise it's wine. <laughs> That's Wallen. So that was the concept of Wallen. But very little was really mentioned about Wallen. Wallen was like an in joke <laughs> that three people would have got. <laughs> um, I kind of did it as a dare of like, should I go work show Wallen? And people were like, yeah, thinking that I wouldn't. And then I just did it for, to make myself laugh. So the show itself was then this from this. You say that you, in your own words, a flimsy construct. I just really, yeah. So, so it was me going to Vegas, and so it was me like, oh, uh, I can't actually remember. But there was a, all I know is a VIP section, which was a red carpet and some champagne bottles. So every because I deconstruct the show a lot, so every time I wanted to deconstruct the show, I'd get in that section on the Velvet Square and deconstruct the show that was going on as if I wasn't a part of it. And then there was a guy in a paddling pool. And then at the end, so I was like, I want to go to Vegas. I want my show to go to Vegas. I think that was it. And then, but it was all like my way of doing it. So then at the end, oh, God knows what it was about. To be honest, I just whopped a theme on at the end. (laughs) (laughs) So My version of Vegas is what it was. Who cares? Who cares? Who's listening to this and can please tell me more about this? Well, (laughs) what I'm interested in is, is... Finding out, like, if you are a sort of a, a, a fairly savvy, ambitious yeah. kind of a comic, yeah, and yet you're prepared to take the sort of risks of, like, this kind of thing, I just wobbed a theme on, and, it, it, you know, it's deliberately flimsy. I'm just trying to get to what's at the heart well, of... Well, it's not... Okay, so a lot of care and work goes into the show. So that Wallen show, I was writing for ages. I was really proud of it. Um, some days didn't you know every now and again it didn't work but I put everything into it but the theme I resented having to have a theme I resented having to have an ending and you know I resented that it was the way it's done because my brain wouldn't work in that way and so I was like well why can't I just do what I want to do why can't I just do the fun bits put a band in a padding pool oh you need a reason why because it's funny (laughs) so I resented all that but now I know how to write with structure I'm like oh I get it it's satisfying for the audience i get a beginning a middle and end stories through time have had these things okay. <laughs> don't be arrogant you know there's a there's a first second third act there's you know there's a reason why callbacks are satisfying da, da, da. so now i'm going from it the other way so i've written my theme from edinburgh show first and then i wrote the material to fit the theme and i tell you what I understand why people have done it that way before. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Say, That's yeah. great. That's a brilliant journey to have just gone from kind I'm of a woman. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's your theme this year? Can you? I mean, yes. how written is the show? Where are you in the life of the well, show? Well, actually, I'm quite pleased because okay. So here's something that may be interesting to comics try, try, like writing and stuff because I've always hated sitting down and writing I hated I like it if things come pop into my head obviously you don't do anything but um, <laughs> I've always dreaded oh god like I've got to sit down and write a show then I spoke to Chris Stokes the other day like and I was like oh I've got four days to write my Leicester show actually at the time I had six I think 
five or six. I've just I cannot I cannot not point out at the moment that I have four days to write my Leicester show. Oh. I've got a sh- I've got a, well. Sorry, that's not wrong. That's a wrong noise. Great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's uh, I I mean well we'll talk about it later if we get yeah. to it. I don't want to sort of use up no, no, your no, episode time. No, well, I, I'm I'm writing. I've been doing loads and loads and loads of writing, and oh. then I've just had like a five week if. No, the first two weeks of it, I was writing, but gigging that evening, doing a different sort of gig. Mm. And then I had three weeks of a holiday. And now I've come back and in four days, I've got to do a show. In three days, I've got to do a show at uh, Phoenix Fringe. Mm. And then I've got to do that sh- that show, whatever it is again, or a completely different one, yeah. the following day uh, and how much in Leicester. Well, I don't know at the moment. What I've been doing for the last day and a half mm. is making index cards where mm. I'm putting loose notes on each thing that might be a chunk yeah. of writing somewhere. I've, an enormous amount, certainly by my standards, an enormous amount of which hasn't ever been tried. And it's just stuff that I've written. So I'm sort of approaching it very fairly differently to how I've written in the past. But that's great because... And I, I'm actually... Yesterday, I was in tears. Going, oh, my God, I've got actual nothing. Tears. This actual well, actual no. tears. I cry all the time anyway. But today, I've gone, holy shit, I might actually have a show because yeah. I've got, like, you know, even if it's, like, 50 or 60 cards, even if there's just one joke that works on each of them. Yeah. You know, at the moment, I'm sort of going, okay, the, this card is about this theme and it's got six bullet points on it and none of them are tried and tested jokes. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. It, only one of them needs to work and then that's 60 jokes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And also, good, you might as well take all your risks in one basket as the saying doesn't go. <laughs> you know, like, if you haven't tested it before... Better to die spectacularly with all your new stuff. Is it though? No, this is actually, what I've it, doesn't, been... it doesn't really work like that. Because <laughs> actually, if they lost faith in you, you don't know. Some of the stuff could be brilliant, but it, they won't. Yeah, love absolutely, it, so yeah. absolutely. There's so many variables, yeah. but I'm 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 rarely in this position, and I'm in it right now. So it's so good. But tell, tell me what Chris. Well, you've said. been podcasting, haven't you, mate? You've been uh, <laughs> been in Australia. Um, oh yeah. So he. So so I was saying like, oh, I've only got like five or six days, whatever it was, to write a show. And he was like, yeah, you can totally do it in that time. Like, you totally can. you just got to back yourself and know that you can do it. And then I was like, but do you really think that? And he's like, yep, I, abs- I could do it. I know I could do it. And um, I've always really liked his shows. And so he's someone like, you know, like I, I think he yeah, produces, yeah, he produces really good stand-up mm-hmm. shows. No kind of, um, uh, just good jokes, really brilliant material. And um, so it's like, okay, you think I could do it? And it's like... Okay, you know when the first person ran the mile and they broke the uh, broke the speed barriers or whatever, mm-hmm. they broke the time it is done in by loads, and everyone's like, "Oh, you can run a mile in that time." Oh, and then they ran like everyone was doing it then. Yes, do you know what I mean? They yes, could, yes, because they believed it was possible. Yeah, because they believed it was possible, and sometimes you just need someone to say, "Well, I've done it," and then you're like, "Yeah, why am I being such a pretentious or floating around like, oh." Dear, poor me. Like, I've got a show to write. (laughs) Get on with it. You can do it. Then that's all you need to hear sometimes. Or if one of your contemporaries does something, you know, like when you first do your hour show, you're like, I couldn't do an hour show. And then you see a friend doing it who you think you're on a level with and you're like, oh, oh, you can do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, So I think it's like that. And then then I wrote the show. I haven't got a show. I mean, saying that, I've only really got half an hour. But I'm really pleased for the first time ever. I've done it like A, B, C, D. It's a theme and a structure. I'm really happy about it. And when you're writing, when you say you've got your theme, where did your theme come from? Is it something that you... Did were... I tell you my theme? No, you didn't. Oh, it's me getting into Eton School for Boys. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you, so you mentioned that before we started recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it's me getting into Eton. Because I realise I'm slightly envious of um, uh, public school boys. Okay. Who... Uh, 
like I know there's pros and cons to everything. So I know some of them are, you know, like ripped from the family household at, you know, age, whatever, and all this stuff. So I don't think, I don't really think I would have done very well in that life because I hate rules and authority and all. No, oh God, that sounds really like, hey, you've just got themselves a leather jacket over here. <laughs> no, I, don't. Like, I, I don't come from that kind of family who are very like kind of strict or, you know, it would have done my head in, like as I imagine it does their head in. But I think I probably would have committed suicide or something at age 18. But what I'm saying is there isn't the ideal thing and you get the upbringing and you get the, you get the thing that you need to learn your lessons, I'm sure. So, but I'm still a little bit envious of people that know loads, you know, and have got, but I don't want to be the prime minister. So anyway, so it's me trying to get into Eton College for boys. Okay. So, and, and that theme, what, what's just kind of break it down for us, right? You've got the theme and this yeah. time you're writing, as you said, the By the right, way, my right show way might be really shit. And all I mean is, I don't mean <laughs> like, guys, I've nailed it. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. like, it's probably not a great 30 minutes, but all I mean is I've worked in a different way. And that's why you've that got is, to be, That's exactly yeah. what we're talking so about. So you've got to be pleased with your own milestones of like, hey, I've done it a different way this time. It means I can write to demand like in this way, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it might be rubbish, but um, I'm excited about it. So that's all that you need at this stage. Um... What's the question? Well, let's let's just pause there and look back at how you wrote the the previous shows, and then we'll oh, see how which way around this is. Dramas and dramas and paddies. Really? And, yeah. And my poor boyfriend at the time, because I'd just be like, oh, I can't. My <laughs> I, <was laughs> I just mental. put my girlfriend through all of this yesterday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm like I feel like it's reflective of I don't know. Ooh. Like I'm a lot more stable now. I think I was you know just mental in terms of like yeah just. Yeah, I mean, poor ex-boyfriend. He put up with a lot. Yeah. Oh, well. So And now I'm fine, and he doesn't get to see the benefits. <laughs> <laughs> no, so ever thus. He's very happy. Um, so, so that's how you did it, like, yeah. with loads of trauma. That's, yeah. that's the things with which you did it. But what were you actually doing? Were you keeping notes throughout the year and then yeah, putting like, them together? Were you pre- taking... Pre- previewing three a steps? lot. Like, previewing a lot. Getting advice from everybody. Uh, which isn't the best idea but you know if something resonates I think now I can take the advice that resonates and I don't I'm not so needy with advice whereas before I was like because mm. you, you again it's that thing of not trusting yourself and stuff um so yeah a lot of previews a lot of working it through I don't know why it feels so much easier now I guess like the longer you do it the easier it gets right Oh, I hope so. And also, I don't know, because I haven't done a preview yet, so... Oh, my God, guys, my life has a sin. Not funny. <laughs> Listening back, sadly, to this <laughs> yeah, episode yeah. in a month, going, I thought I had half an hour. But even if I have, even if it doesn't go well, even if the preview... And I don't... I've probably only got, yeah, half an hour, and the preview unless it could be so bad. But the point is, yeah, that at least I haven't had tantrums. <laughs> yes. So Good. Go. Well, that is not where I'm at. <laughs> I had a big tantrum <laughs> yesterday. Your poor but girlfriend. I, I think I was jet. I think I was very jet lagged. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm noodling off into my own problems now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a very immediate. It's, hey, it's a good time of year listen, to be podcasting, people. If, if you want to book me as a guru, <laughs> <laughs> this podcast, I can tell you why I'm so zen about my show. So your your persona, the the Lou that you are on stage, mm. is, is that going to be the same in this show as it has in yeah, previous... Yeah, that's me. It is you, isn't it? Yeah, it is me. So, 
let's talk about how you came to the the stage with that you. How, once you went through all of these different versions of what mm. you thought you might be, but what also, was the first moment when you thought, oh, hang on, got it? But it isn't, it isn't that that's me every night. I am how I am every night. I try to be. Well, actually, if you're doing an hour show, it's a bit different. But if you're doing a set, like a 20-minute set or whatever, I come on stage usually how I feel. So I try and, like, ramp myself up a bit. But, okay, so when I, when I split up with my boyfriend... I was, uh, you go through a thing, obviously, don't you? So I was, I was quite raw. I did a gig the night I split up with him, which is psychopathic, really, because we were together like five and a half years or whatever and engaged and stuff. But I, so I went on stage that night and I made the mistake of not saying what had just happened until halfway through the gig. And I was like, guys, I've just moved out tonight. Like, it was just like, and everyone was like, oh, because they could tell that I was, they could tell something was incongru- incongruous, but they didn't obviously know why. And they don't even, they're not putting their finger on that. It's a subconscious thing because we all carry everything mm-hmm. around with us, I guess. And um, then when I did halfway through the set, I was like, oh, I've got to tell you, like, this is why I'm being weird, whatever. And then it, everyone relaxed and then it was fine. Up to then it'd be really hard. So I think there's something in going on stage and being, well, so I'm not very, emo- I'm emotionally very readable and very honest. But with my material, I never go into deep. So I, I, I've i got a set of principles I adhere to. So like you saw my show with a bit with a vagina on a stick and everything. Yes. You wouldn't say that was a feminist piece. But I'm very careful never to do gender stereotypes or laziness. Or if I do, I hate myself for it. And I think I'm never going to do that again. Like if it slips out, just ad living or whatever. Okay. I hate when people say like, oh... Um, you know, it's a couple, and I'm too sensitive to it because you could even argue that that's being sexist, even being so aware of it. But you know, if someone says like about a couple, oh God, he didn't know how long you've been together, and she did. I don't agree with that. Like, I don't agree with it. It's the woman that always knows. I don't. I think men want babies and marriage more than women. But I think that we perpetuate this myth that it's women. I think it's very dangerous. It's dangerous for women. Dangerous for men. I can't say that in my stand up because it's not the sort of comedy that I can do. Mm. I once talked about genital mutilation, and it was kind of funny, but it was at odds. That was in my first show. It was funny, but it was at odds with everything else, like a very silly show. So, and I think so long as someone's doing it, then it's fine. Like, if no one's talking about it, then I'd think, shit, like, left this guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting, yeah. Every people are doing it, and I think, good for them, like, brilliant. They're, like, you know, like, Bridget, Sarah, they can talk about these things in amazing ways, and it works works for them, and I'm so pleased that this is getting out there to audiences. You know, stuff about gender and, like people being stoned to death and da, da, da. but I'm not the guy to do it really so so I'm emotionally truthful but I can't be too truthful in you know like da, 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 da. although when I spit up with my boyfriend I was just going on stage and going guess what guys <laughs> <laughs> guess what guys I accidentally had sex last night with someone in a cupboard or whatever and I would just say it because I one I thought it was really funny and two because I, what I'm saying is like I'm off the rails yes. and I think it's funny but I'm not going deep into yes know. yeah okay I totally get that that's you absolutely your persona on stage is I'm off the rails but I'm not though, so that, I'm, that might change because I feel like I'm yes. now getting back on the rails. So okay. like I was off the rails for. Okay. So like the thing is as well, like I was going bananas. I know it was my decision to finish it and everything, but you know because I didn't want kids at the time and whatever, uh, whatever's true. But um, but even though, even though you know it's the right decision for both of you, you still 
go quite so I was like drinking and going out all the time and everything and I was like yeah because I can like <laughs> was when I was doing the radio show with Rich and he was because he's happily married and really settled down and he loved seeing me <laughs> loved seeing me coming <laughs> I've had two hours sleep Rich and all this stuff and he was living his life with me he was like and I was like I'm gonna tone it down soon I'm gonna tone it down he's like look at you <laughs> so I look at you you've got another six months in you of this and I was like no way I can't <laughs> I'm liver. and he's like you and then I was like not six months like another month another month but it lasts age and now I'm now I'm stopped doing it all okay only the last couple of weeks because you can't use the excuses about your boyfriend a year later <laughs> but yeah thinking as long as someone's talking about that mm. it's okay I don't have to mm. that's I, that's a very comforting notion um I suppose the the I have a similar I, I have I have a, a, a struggle I have a perpetual struggle with my comedy which is that I always feel like I should be trying to say something really true and trying to say something really essential in both but senses that of that word. pressure that you put on yourself is so like it's I know really destructive. Yeah, it's really, it's destructive. really awful, boring, yeah. depressing pressure. Whereas yeah. the, I think the moments where I'm what I'm finding at the moment is the stuff that I tend to be most honestly funny at yeah. is just when I'm being silly. Yeah. And I think I need to try and find a way to go, no, no, it's okay. I'll leave that to, you know, I mean, Kitson or whoever, yeah, you know, yeah, whoever, yeah. whoever is doing Kitson the most emotionally intelligent about, stuff. He isn't talking about the big issues. He's talking about very personal stuff to him. Yes. And actually people get comforted by different things in different ways. So like, you know, the fact that you get annoyed, your girlfriend's living in the top of the toothpaste or whatever. For some people, that's going to be really... Um, yes. Uh, you know, sorry, I'm just rumbling around my back. How do you feel about that? Uh, I'm fine with that. Uh, <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we've, I'm just uh, we, we no, will know, we'll know from a recent podcast that uh, some listeners don't like it when there's certain types of background noise. Oh, but really? I, as far as I'm concerned, you're, uh, you're more than uh, welcome Thank to rub it around your back. I've just realised I've got, I want to put some cream on my face. Carry on. So the so that so I feel like I'm, I'm stretched in a couple of different directions. Yeah. One of them is like tackle the big issues, and I'm yeah. not. You know, I I'm, I don't read enough newspapers. I don't yeah. read three newspapers every day and enough to get... And I can't retain the information enough to know who's who and you know and, and, and contact it properly. And I'm t- to my eternal shame, I, that's terrible. I'm also trying to yeah. trying to be really emotionally honest, and then struggling with the fact that this is no. all this is this is this is the this is the interview with you I'm having whilst in the middle of my kind yeah, of yeah, morass yeah, of yeah. writing. Yeah. So so I'm also struggling that I'm going. I've got to be really honest about kind of the way I see the world, and then I'm frequently finding the way I see the world is not like the way anyone else sees to or relates to at all. But I'm actually finding the stuff that I really like and that really makes me laugh and makes me funny yeah. is really really silly stuff. Yeah. And that's all we got, Bobo. That's all we got. <laughs> but it's true. Like, like, our, like, so Carl, like, I, you, we always worry that we're not enough or we're not, um, you know, because I'm not very into uh, general knowledge. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not very, like, I'm not the smartest coffee book in the... <laughs> smartest coffee book. No, you know, I'm not the smartest tack in the tack shop. You're not the sharpest cookie. I'm not the sharpest... Bluntest, what? No, I'm trying to. It doesn't work. Doesn't work. But you, I'm not the smartest. But then you look at someone like Carl Pilkington. How much joy has he brought to? He's got an IQ of eighty, and he's brought so much joy to people. I, that's a separate issue for me because I don't believe he's anything like that stupid. I think that's a character. I don't well, know. I've never. Met I think him, it's a bit of a character. He knows what he knows. What's funny. 
he knows that things are going to get a laugh. But he's he, a professional he, producer. No, the way that he sees the world, I identify with him because I'm like, yeah, everything oh, he I, says. Oh, I think he is able to to adopt the this brilliant naivety, and I think that's brilliant. Then, I, I just don't think that's think actually it, him. I think it's I think it's fifty fifty. So I think that okay. I think that he does ask those questions of why the hell, and he is like a child. Yes, them. absolutely. And it's amazing that the absolutely. world hasn't I think he's like hilarious. you know he doesn't try and fit in and da da da. So I think there is a bit of uh, it added on but the you can't fake that kind of view of the world completely so when he says a certain thing of it is literally how a child would see it and it is in a different way and I don't think you can fake all of that but yeah anyway we can't like the minute you try and force things because I've had the same thing like oh I've got to try and be clever I've got to make a difference or like what a load of wank get a knob joke out you know that's what you're gonna (laughs) (laughs) So well, let's let's go on to the knob jokes then. So mm-hmm. something where you mentioned this is the word that you saw in here. I've got it says on my notes sex and sex and sexuality, and one of the the things that I think Guilty you're brilliant at doing. <laughs> I think you have got this, and it, it might be part of the off the rails thing, but there's definitely something about your persona which is you know you kind of made a casual reference to one of my ex fiancés and stuff. Oh, yeah, you really yeah, yeah. take control of yourself as a kind of I'll choose my words carefully here but a sort of kind of quasi slutty kind of like I've been out shagging okay hang on so the word slutty let's get rid of that forever I do not like that word okay I, I don't I, for I me know, it doesn't have any negative connotations okay fine 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 yeah I, I've read but, the book ethical slut and I'm using it in that, oh, in that context I like it too. I haven't read it I haven't read it but um yeah it's about Claiming and owning it, isn't it, really? I don't know. I don't know. Why should we be embarrassed? I've, I used to have a thing where, you know, I've come from a kind of time and uh, environment where women, you know, of my age, like when feel embarrassed or ashamed that they've had sex or they've got sexual desires and everything, which is freaking ludicrous when you think about it. Like, I don't see there's any difference between the genders. I think women are as highly highly sexually charged as men. I think it's an individual thing rather than a gender thing. And I also think we put a lot of shame on women for having those kind of things. And I think it's time to readdress it. Now, hopefully I do it in a jovial, light-hearted way, but the message is still, like, fuck it. Like, I was drinking with my brother and this, um, like, loads of his friends, and they're, like, a bit older, but not much, like a few years, whatever. And this woman said, she's friends with my sister-in-law and I don't know that that well, but lovely woman. And she said, yeah, well, uh, you know, like this guy came back and she told me that she slept with him, right? But then when my sister-in-law was there, she didn't mention that. And I was like, and tell her the rest. (laughs) Oh God, like I did, I slept with him, but she's making excuse, like I slept with him, but oh my God, like I never do that. I never do that. And I was like, what the Like just... Like, you slept with him. You wanted to sleep with him. You slept with him. Why the hell should you have any regrets? Unless, you know, it was bad or da 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 But this is whole world of kind of shame or regret around it. And why should there be? Like, it's a natural thing to do. Yes. I think there's a... There's... A, there's, there's it's a complicated thing so it's not as easy as that like sometimes it comes from damage you know you get a lot of people who've been abused and stuff and then they go into the sex industry and da 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 and so it's when it's in its purest kind of form of people not using each other and da da and you're doing it for a healthy self-esteem when you're doing it for your own benefits rather than I'm desired or I'm Mm -hmm. you know so there's there's obviously like it can you can 
you can use sex for power or it can come from a place of damage or you can you can use it for attention and they're obviously not the healthiest but when it comes from just two people wanting you know yes yes dogs going for it in the park (laughs) it was the weirdest thing one just jumped on the other one i think i think when you say the word um shame it's about not having shame and i think that's what i'm getting at is your your persona you on stage you're really delightfully shameless yeah. Like, and I mean shameless in a really positive way. Like you have, I was looking Not at your... Not the Channel 4 sitcom. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I was looking at your, your Twitter feed recently, yeah. um, just to sort of see some yeah. examples of it. I think you're excellent at Twitter as well. Thank I think you've got a real, you. I think one of the things that's really exciting about you is you're such a vivid performer, but you've also got really, really strong writing. Oh, and thanks. and just on the subject of shame, one of your recent tweets said something like, I've just got glitter all around my poop hole. Or something, and that's it on its own. That's the whole tweet. And it was just funny. I was looking at it because it made me laugh out loud yeah. reading it off the screen. But I also sort of thought, that is the sort of, like, I don't do anything in that territory. I would never say the word poop or poo yeah. or talk about my bum on stage at all because I, I would mean, just I, feel I colossal said, monkey think, shame. You know? I think I said I'm just putting rainbow glitter around my poop hole. There we are. So everybody knows that's a joke. Like, I'm not actually doing that. Um, but, yeah, I think that... I don't like to be gross for gross's sake. No. Like, I was no, going to no. tweet the other day something about, um, like, going... Like, uh, i just done my nails and I wanted to go for a poop. And you can't, like, because you've done your nails, you can't go for a poop. But I thought, that's actually gross. Like, no one wants to think of someone else. Like, oh, no, anyone do what they want. I just mean for me and my time. Yeah. Like, I don't... If I read that from someone else, I wouldn't care. Yes. But then, like, my stuff's... So far-fetched, you think, oh, she's not really shoving eight carrots up her bum. Do you know what I mean? Which was um, But it's done more artistically. <laughs> but yeah. But um, yeah, there's too much shame. We, we, there's a really good book called The Four Agreements. Have you read it? No. no. Uh, nobody has. Um, but it's all about like... Oh... Yeah, just not... Like, we all make the same mistakes in life. We all feel embarrassed perpetually. And I do, all the time. I'm always embarrassed. Imagine if you could just get rid of embarrassment. That'd be amazing. I have no shame, no embarrassment, not take anything personally. It'd be amazing. There'd be no comedy. There would <laughs> It doesn't have to come from darkness. Definitely not. Okay. I think it does. I think that's the comedy that you come at from a young age. Like, when you're exploring yourself or... And I don't mean physically, but, you know, when... Or, or cynical, negative comedy. That's mm-hmm. the first... Your Well, for me, it was my first experience of comedy, like, taking the piss out of people. And to do, mm-hmm. It's still funny. That is still funny. But it doesn't have to come from that. No, but I suppose I suppose what I mean is, um, uh, like, I, I whenever I've sat down as, a, as an exercise and gone, right, what would I never say? What would I never be prepared to reveal on stage? Yeah. And then write jokes from that. I yeah. did once about, like, the most embarrassing wow. thing I've ever done. Yeah. And, uh, and it was cringingly embarrassing, really uh, positive, and it really made me laugh to write it, and it yeah. became a really strong bit Amazing. of material. Amazing, yeah. Um, but since then, I've gone, okay, really, it wasn't that embarrassing. Really, I'd never say this. And I just, no, I'm, I'm not going near it. Like, yeah. is, are there anything, are there any kind of, other than rules of tone, as you mentioned, mm. are there are there sort of things about your life that are sacrosanct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just like, just that thing of, so there's loads of stuff that I think, God, if I was, an, if I was, I'd have so much more material if I was, <laughs> uh, if I could, if my brain worked in a way of like, you know, Louis C.K. or whatever, where you could talk honestly about, and I can talk about anything, but I have to reduce it to one or two lines of superfilious kind of flippant, so that's a tone thing. So I can talk about, 
uh, like, so I've got a line in my show. Oh, I don't want to say that. So, yeah, I'm already editing myself. Yeah. Like family stuff. Yes. So I've got two very different dads. And I want to talk about... So I can talk about one of them. <laughs> He's been in prison and da, 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 da. So I can talk about that because I've got distance from it. I don't care. Yes. Okay. But then if I could talk about the... Because I think everyone's a product of their environment. He comes from a very different environment. So there's no judgment and there's no... And he's a nice guy. But there's certain things he's done that I want to put in the show that are really funny. But then the tone has to be right. I can't analyse it for a page. It's got to be one word, two words. No, what, more than one word. Fucking hell. It's got to be a couple of sentences and yeah, then I move okay. on. Be, and then people can make their own assumptions of what it was. Like Sam okay. Simmons' show. Oh, my God. I saw his work in progress. Oh, my God, he's got such, such like, weird, dark stuff from his childhood. And he puts yeah. a line in, puts a line in, and you're thinking, is that true? But I know that it's true. And then it's like, he doesn't make too much of it. Do you know what I mean? Because it's yes. too, it's not what the show's about. The show's about rejoicing and fun and, you know, but you throw this one line of darkness in or whatever, and then the audience can let that percolate and do mm. their own work, I guess. Mm. Yeah. The... The stuff you mentioned about you've got two different dads, so is that, that's just an, it's not that family's off limits. No, I talk about my family all the time in my show, but only lines here and there, I can't like go, I can't talk about anything saccharine or the opposite of saccharine or, you know, for too long, Mm -hmm. because it is all lighthearted. And I am envious of people that can, I'm really envious of people that can explore topics in a, um, I'm not really envious because that's not me. It's like being envious of, sure. you know, I'm not black or I'm not Indian. Yeah. You know, um, it, you're not. So what's the point in thinking like that? You know, um, <laughs> it's a weird analogy. <laughs> that, that's why no one thinks like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I wish totally I had curly me. hair. Well, yeah. You don't. So perm it or shut up. And I'm not going to perm my hair in that I'm not going to talk about these issues because I just can't write like that. And you have to stick to poop holes and dick jokes <laughs> that's what you're good with <laughs> and is there is there just coming back to the the sort of shamelessness and the kind of sex aspect is there mm. something that you enjoy about saying rude words on stage is there some sort of pure out silliness it's yeah. just silly like it is like i do think that the other day like i think i tweeted like oh i've just had a look through my timeline and it is disgusting <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like i don't know why i'm drawn to but it's not rude for the sake of being rude because it's not like you get past a certain mm. age and you're like, we can all say the word dick or we're, there's no fun in that, really. It's just either the ludicrous kind of... It's the sort of gleeful creativity, I yeah, think. Take, yeah, Like rainbow glitter and poop holes. That, yeah, you know, that yeah, particularly yeah. seems to... Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound funny off the thing. <laughs> it's, probably not, it's probably not funny. But, um, yeah, I don't know. You can't... It's like, why do people like certain people? Or why, you know... Mm. I don't I, I want to talk. I want to talk more about... Um, uh, writing, and we're, we're getting a bit short on time. Yeah. But before we get into that, I just wanted to ask about this is a sort of a final thing on this yeah. uh, on the persona. Um, you do uh, a th- you did a thing where you you had some opening line about being uh, beautiful. What was that? Um, it, was a a I, it was a thing I saw. It was a YouTube video. I only mentioned it because, and uh, eagle-eared listeners will know, this is something Tom Stade called me out on when I interviewed him. Right. I used to do a thing where I would try and... I mean, he kind of misquoted it. I can't remember what it is now. But I used to do a thing where I would try and do a joke about being pretty. 
Right. right? Because yeah. I would, every so often, I'd walk on stage and get wolf whistled. And I thought, Whoa, okay, this is yeah. something they think about me. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. do a joke about Sexy. this. And so this, the idea was to try and do a joke where I kind of accepted it in advance, yeah. which I thought would be funny because obviously yeah. I'm not that pretty. So it's, yeah, it's kind yeah, of arrogant yeah. and that's the joke. Yeah. Every so often it would work brilliantly and I'd go, God, I'm a genius. And most of the time people would just go, who is this arrogant prick? And, but you, you did this, you did a line and just you really seemed to own it. And it's, I just suppose it's like your whole, like when you say great work from me there, yeah. you know, you, you've got this, you've really got control of this sort of faux arrogance. I think because it's mixed with a vulnerability, apparently. That's what I've heard from other people. So I think that... Um, it's really hard to analyse yourself, isn't it? And also really self-indulgent, Jesus Christ. But, <laughs> it's like, all right, it's only an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's because people don't really think that I think that about myself. Unless they do, and then that goes wrong. But I don't say that anymore, but I've had a variety of different ones like that. They've all started. Like, <laughs> I think like, yeah, I guess you recognise me from your dreams. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And, like I started with lows. So kind of, sometimes it doesn't go well at all. And because the thing is, you are you're. It's it's not like you're a really ugly person doing jokes about how pretty you Don't are. Don't go overboard. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you're really ugly. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's like that. That yeah. to me, that I felt like. Oh, this is. I have this problem. I'm not so pretty that I obviously think that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, nor yeah. am I so unattractive that it's really obviously yeah. a joke. And I couldn't make it work, and you could, and I was annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> and it is. Oh, well, that that's a, that's kind of a good good. But I have stopped doing it now, I think. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, have you ever done any kind of clowning or clowning workshops or training or anything like that? I because do. you do seem really, really connected in a, in a really kind of jolty way, like connected to an audience. They just made me think of clowning. Yeah. Um, no, I did four-day workshop with Goulier, four-day workshop in Dublin. Okay. And um, uh, it's so funny. Like, you know, you've heard, you've done a clowning workshop, right? This is, yeah, the, the various ones, never with him. But right. this is the one that, uh, this is Philippe Goulier. That, yes. Uh, that uh, uh, Alfie Brown referred to as the, the French Awards School. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is, well, he's amazing. Like, he can, he gets so, there, there's a line of um, uh, people and he's giving them all a character, right? And <clears throat> he can see beyond someone's, he can see someone's, uh, the heart of someone. That sounds ridiculous, but he can. Like, there, okay, so there's a girl who is very nicey nice. It's just emotional intelligence, but he's got so much of it. So there's a girl who's nicey nicey, and I think girls are taught up to be very like smiley and oh, they put everyone at ease, you know, non-offensive mm-hmm. da, 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 of a certain generation. And hopefully, it's changing a bit. But anyway, so she was very smiley, nicey nice. I'm the nice, safe one. I'm safe. I'm nice, smiley, smiley. And he said to her, right, you're a cave woman, you're really angry. And it allowed her to bring out this side of her that for some reason or other, through her upbringing, okay. she hadn't showed. When she showed it, it was phenomenal. She wasn't, I wouldn't say she had funny bones or anything, but just this exploration of a deep down gremlin of anger was bloody great. And he did that for everybody. So what did you get? Uh, um, who is that French woman... Uh, Bridget Bardot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But can I just say, sometimes the inner clown was you. <laughs> sometimes it was the opposite of you. <laughs> I found it very difficult, though, because he was like, you know, you're sexy, you're that. And I thought, how can you make sexy funny? Mm. Weird, like, do you know, like, I know I talk about poop holes and stuff a lot, but I don't see being feminine and sexy as particularly, it's more, do you know what I mean? That Bridget Bardot. You wouldn't expect Bridget Bardot popping out a kind of line about... It's weird, isn't sure, it? Sure, sure. So I find it really discombobulating and weird. And um, 
Yeah. How long ago was that? Years ago. Like oh, it's pre, ago. pre, pre, kind of Edinburgh shows. Yeah, pre Edinburgh so. hours. Kind yeah, of thing. or maybe like during my, near my first hour. That's really interesting because you, yeah. de- you. That's kind of what I meant. The kind of the sexy, silly. You do yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, you do yeah. make sexy, funny. Yeah. Weird that he picked that up, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. At the time, I was probably doing one-liners about Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk quickly then about the uh, about your writing and how you because you obviously you do you write treatments. You talked about TV pitches and stuff. You're writing sitcoms as well as stand-up. Did I say that? No, you you talked oh, right. about yeah. you talked about when your script gets rejected. And stuff oh like yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. are you are you kind of and you're you know you're you're good at Twitter in that you're constantly tucking out jokes on Twitter yeah. in the way that most people want to and don't get around to. Yeah, um, thanks. So you're... Uh, I write I write stuff, yeah. You write stuff. Yeah. So how often do you write? Are you always I, writing every day? Hmm. Um, I like writing with other people. The mo- like, that's really fun. I like doing my stand-up on my own. And then, weirdly, like, for shows before, though, I have had... Um, I have um, tried to... So my last show, I got worried. So Steve uh, Bennett came to a gig, which I thought went well. He did not think it went so well. <laughs> and he didn't get my kind of anti-jokes and my kind of, like, I've got this whole play that goes for ages. You, may, you probably won't remember, but this play, and then the, the joke is, it goes on for ages, and it's kind of an anti-joke at the end. And, and like, people like it. You should get to that. sugar on me. No, 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 no. This is, like, the play. So it's about two office workers. So it's, but it's very nature, like, kind of quite boring. Okay. You know, like, little subtle passive-aggressive stuff that people do in offices. Da, da, da. Anyway. It's quite long, and then at the end it's got an anti-joke, and he didn't get it, and I thought, shit, like, if he... Like, not everything's to do with him, but I just mean, if people don't get what I'm trying to do, maybe I should put loads of jokes in the show. So I tried to hire a writer to put put, put more jokes in my show. Okay. It's me being very honest. To, to, to basically yeah. allow people to understand that when there were anti-jokes, they were deliberate. Or, or just that, like... I was just petrified of getting a bad review before this show, and now I don't care. But so the last two shows I've done, I've hired someone, like a friend, I've given them like, you know, a few hundred quid to write jokes for the show, which goes against everything about me. And this is really interesting in that they never work. So I use one joke from uh, John Luke Roberts in my Wallen show and I use one joke and it's a bloody great joke. It was the joke, it was the joke that summed up Wallen. So I did kind of need it in the show that I mentioned earlier. So that was his joke, right? But none of the others I could make work in my voice. And I did the same thing again with this last show. I hired someone to write loads of jokes. None of them I could use in the show, not even one, right? Because it has to be in my voice and it has to be in my tone. I'm never going to do that again. But it's a learning curve. And you know when people... I'd bring it up because there's a lot of judgment on like, oh, they don't write for themselves. And I came from a place of just not having that confidence of like, shit, my, I've got loads of jokes in my last show. I had loads of actual jokes and I wrote them all myself. Mm-hmm. But I bailed on myself at some point, you know, before the show thinking, I, oh, like if this reviewer doesn't get it, it means it's not funny. And it's a really great learning thing that I would never do that again now. You know, I just, and it's not, your voice is so strong and no one can do... This is like such a cliche of like, no one can be you, like you can be you. But it is that thing of, I don't know. Yes. They were perfectly good jokes, it's just that I couldn't use any of them. Yes. Thank you for admitting that. Because yeah. that is something that people never like to talk about. Yeah. And lots of people, be it getting their friends in or be it getting their... You know, like I've had lines from my 
my ex-boyfriend knew my voice so clearly and he'd watch a show and then he'd be, oh, suggest put this in and I'd put it in. But you say that and as a woman, people want to believe that a boy is doing all your writing. Yeah. I've had it, you know, like Dom at the comedy store going, tapping me on the head going, got some nice little ideas in there, write with your boyfriend, do you? You know, and so you we're so, yeah, we're so reluctant to ever say that we've had any help. But actually you do, you write the 50 minutes yourself. If you take a topper from a friend or a stand-up or, you know, even your mum or, you know, like Nick has had a joke from his dad in, didn't he, in that thing? That yeah. Was, you know, or, or, yeah. or like your boyfriend or da-da-da. But I think generally, and, and I think it's different topical shows on television, they're more prescribed and they're more formulaic and stuff. Mm. But that's very different to an hour show if you have got a strong tone and voice and it just, it comes from the heart. Like it come, your jokes that you write from the heart, mm. like are always going to be better. Having said that, I have got a joke from my friend Andy in the show as well. And, and I felt it's dirty having it. So I would open the thing going, oh, my friend Andy wrote me a joke he sent on Facebook. So can I read Andy's joke? And it would never get a laugh. Yeah. Then when I did it in my style, like I said, I didn't say Andy's written it. Yes. But I do it and I do it in a certain way. And a lot of it's in the delivery now it gets a really good laugh. So it's like, I think it's like 90% him and the 10% that I've put in how I yes. deliver it kind of yes. thing. Yes, okay. But I always feel dirty having other people. Do you know what I mean? Like you want everything yeah. to come from you. But it's not, it doesn't matter because that's ego again. And it's like you produce, we produce so much stuff an hour every year, plus treatments, plus stand-up, plus Twitter, plus we can write jokes. Do you know what uh-huh. I mean? But then uh-huh. getting really, like when I did that Stuart Lee thing that I was cut from, thank you. Um, he was like, oh, because I mentioned, he, he was saying that it should be trade unions like in America. So when you write for people, because I've done writing for other stand-ups. And that's mm. the thing of like, they probably haven't used like a lot of it when I write for them. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But they do it. But it sometimes you want that backup of, you know, well, okay, I won't be saying this, but now I feel stronger in what I'm saying this or whatever. Or, yeah. Or it spurs something else on. So do you mind talking about the uh, Stuart Lee thing? Because that oh, no, occurs not to me that you're the second person that I've had on the show who yeah. has been cut from that. So, yeah. so what, what happened well, there? The, what was the story? Oh, God knows. The gig went well. I did use a lot of props and I did use a lot of, there was a lot of content. Well, he, so he phoned me up and said, oh, look, you know, we really like what you do and everything, but it's a nightmare to edit together and, you know, for continuity and da, da, da. next time I would do something a bit more like standard. And you're like, okay, could you tell me that before? They don't check any of your stuff. Mm. And so it's kind of annoying because... You know, it's an alternative show, but it's not alternative enough to, you know, maybe maybe I didn't look very good in the edit. Who knows? It's, it's very upsetting at the time because you told your mum. Yeah. <laughs> she hasn't even got Comedy Central. <laughs> <laughs> and also you can't get to, that's TV, right? And, you know, hopefully there'll be other, you know, there's, it's not the one opportunity. So, well, well God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> you said you uh, you don't think people should take advice. Yeah. From other people. What kind of... Oh. Well, no, no, no. With, with, I'm not going to try and trip you yeah. up or anything. No, I just think that... I, I always say that when people ask me for advice because yeah. the show makes them think I know something about comedy. Um, I try to say don't take advice from anyone. Mm. But looking back at your own uh, career thus far, what advice would you have given... <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you have given young Lou? I don't know that the... Like... I don't know if there is advice. There's just the way through. You just have to go through it. 
So someone can say to you, listen, don't listen. But all those things make up who you are and what you decide. So you can't, like, I know that's not an, a great answer. But say someone says to you, listen to advice or don't listen to advice. It's all meaningless. You do what you can. Do you know what? I'm not very good at communicating. No, no, no. I think this is exactly how I would answer this question. But, but, but the question you, itself is meaningless because yes. you, you are who you are. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm no philosophy student, but <laughs> just get out, do loads of gigs and write loads. And that can't be bad advice. Yeah, so, I definitely So that's that. the only bit of advice that is good advice, is do loads of gigs and write loads. What could possibly go wrong? You and, could lose your home, your family, <laughs> your girlfriend. Your... And when you're, when you're writing, I meant to ask this earlier, when... What kind of editing do you do on the stuff that is apparently very um, kind of raw? Like, I think mm. you're writing, like on Twitter and your shows, I think yeah. your writing is very raw. And you have that quality that I associate raw? with pappies, whereby they've spent a long time on something to make it look like they haven't spent much time on it. Oh. Do you know what I mean? That kind of like, this is me, like, what part of the last hour was, here is a calendar with a, with a joke for each month. Yeah. And it kind of looked crap in a brilliant <laughs> way. Do you know what I mean? No, that is just laziness. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get, I think I can, I think the phrase is getting away with a lot. Like, I feel like I can get away with stuff which isn't necessarily the best, but people work in different ways, don't they? So someone like... Um, uh, Nat Latsima is very written and very um, God. I hope she doesn't mind me saying that, but she's no, she's, she, she's, she's a very good she, writer. And she she's writes an amazing hard. writer, yeah. and she's like she's an author, and you know she's someone that's studied at school. You know, you get the sort of people that studied at school and they do their homework, so they write a lot, and they and I can't really do any time I write. It sounds verbose, it sounds unnatural. I have to go more with a feeling or a kind of emotion. So I'm a lot more of a un. It's a more of a uh, yeah, it's just a different way of working, isn't it? You have to do what you, like, you have to do whatever you've got. You have to do whatever you've got. You know what I mean? You have to work with what you got. Okay. So is there an editing process for you where you um, do um, a kind of, here's an good emotional answer. thing? Good answer. Different question. <laughs> <laughs> what was the question? Um, is there, when you are making stuff based more on emotion than on a sort of dense writing process, yeah. when, you, when you've kind of gone, right, here's a thing, yeah. What do you then do with it over the course of oh, 10 or 100 gigs to change it? What? So, like, I'll just try it in different rooms in different accents. <laughs> no, I try in different That's rooms. exactly the answer to that question. <laughs> I try it in different rooms in different ways. And sometimes, now and again, there's a joke that only comics laugh at and I'll keep it in my hour show anyway. But then what I try and do is have a joke after that. Because there's one in my show, show before that, like, no one laughed at, only comics. And I sort of fucked... What's the joke? Oh, what was it? Um, I can't... I can I can tell you one that's at the moment not working. Okay, okay. Yeah. But I can't remember that one. But then afterwards, what I did, so I knew that, that only my friends would... Maybe it's people that know you or whatever, but I knew that only my friends would laugh at that joke or comics. So then afterwards, I did another joke... So I said, oh, you didn't like that joke. It's funny because they loved it last night. And then on the projector, I'd show like a massive room of people clapping, <laughs> but looking kind of pissed off at the same time. <laughs> but the one that's not working at the moment, it's not funny, actually. I realise that now. I don't really want to say it. But for some reason, because comics laugh at it, I'm like, should we keep a little song in for ourselves? You know, yeah. something for, something for me. But and I, I like saying it, even though it doesn't get a laugh. Yeah. So you... You're one of those people who, and this comes up 
fairly frequently, maybe 50% of the people I interview, mm. I find myself going, oh, God, I wish I was Lou. Because yeah. you... Yeah, because you, you've got, like, you... You've got it, like you've yeah. got you've got a thing. Yeah. You've got it, and you've got you know who you are, and you work hard, and you're. I mean, maybe it's just because you're not having tantrums anymore. Yeah. But there's definitely a kind of a, a quality where I'm like, oh yeah, you you don't even need to write hard. You just have to go in with an emotion and then just go no. on and be brilliant. I mean, you should have seen me at Brian getting scared. <laughs> 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 it was hard. <laughs> And also, you saw me at the party. <laughs> Not exactly nailing life. <laughs> but that's very kind. But and everyone, that's the thing about comedy, isn't it? Everyone's looking at everyone else thinking, oh, they... Da, 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 da. That's the thing about life, actually. But it's never... Like, I went to my friend's house in um, last weekend and they do very, very well. Like, he's got an amazing job. She's kind of got an amazing job. They've got... a beautiful house in Stoke Newington so I was like oh my god like you've got life nailed and they had like a spice rack with everything uh everything labeled all of the spices and they had about 100 spices and I was like oh here's living like you've got life nailed guys <laughs> and then she was like yeah but we we can't have a baby and um <laughs> like um what else did she say oh and I'm a constant source of disappointment because I don't really earn any money and, da, 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 da. and I was like oh everyone is you know, and that's why you have to just enjoy the bloody moment. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> and it's another first. You looked at the notes, brought me a gift, and ended the interview yourself. So that was Lou. Uh, so much fun to talk to. What a really, I mean, that's vintage ComCom. We got into loads of stuff there. I must stop saying that, but we did. We got into loads of really, really good stuff from Lou. And I said to her afterwards, I suppose I started these shows off as a as a, a means of finding out how people do stuff and I realize that sometimes we cover that in great detail with some guests we don't uh, get so specifically into the writing but these days I'm trying sort of more and more to kind of arrogantly create a time capsule version of that person that were they to be disintegrated could live on and you could find out what a Lou Sanders is and I, I feel like we did a good job uh, with this one that is exactly what a Lou Sanders is. Um, so uh, I hope you got something out of that. Look forward to lots more interviews coming soon. I'm back in the country. I'm mostly over the jet lag. And uh, it's all systems go. I'll speak to you soon. At ComComPod to follow on Twitter. Join the Facebook group. You can email me info at comedianscomedian.com. I love getting your emails. And I'm sorry it takes me roughly six to eight weeks on average to reply to them. I'm going to go and do some of that now. Speak to you soon. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.